Hello, I'm Jeff Lester, and welcome back to Wait, What? A comics podcast for the Savage Critics website. After a two-week vacation, Graham McMillan and I have returned with a two-part episode 61, answering your questions from Twitter, email, and the website, as well as starting new favorite talking arguing points for the future. In part one, we cover Daredevil number five, Legion Lost number two, the TV shows Luther and Justified, Flash number two, Justice League Dark number two, the second issue of Casanova, Fear Itself number seven, Occupy Oakland, and we begin talking about Marvel's business practices. It's a full hour of back in the swing of things, irradiated discourse. As always, we hope you enjoy, and thanks for listening. Jeff? Jeff Lester, is it you after all this time? <laughs> Hello, I'm like to be selling you to the internet. No, I, I would like to be sold to the internet. Why do you think I write for so many dumb websites? Because <laughs> I want to be sold to the internet. Well, if anyone can Is truly that, no, have been said... Doing anything. <laughs> I would have to say that is an excellent point, Graham. You Hello true. there. Hello. Long time no talk to, huh? Yeah. What, what's been happening? I have to ask. It's been two weeks. How goes your quest to bring the sexy back? Oh, very well. Very well. Let me tell you. If by sexy you mean slothful, uh, I think I've made significant inroads. Wait, isn't isn't slothful sexy anymore? Because if it's not, then I'm going to have to rethink this, wearing my pajamas all day while watching Friday Night Lights on Netflix. Plan. Dude, what a great plan that is. Yeah, no, I... (laughs) Right, yeah, All I'm, I'm saying is the fifth season is now on Netflix, so there, oh go, there goes not only the weekend, but the rest of my life. <laughs> Jeez, I really have to catch up on that show, by which I mean start watching it. So uh, <laughs> Edie loves it, you love it, everyone I know loves it. Loves it's really it. funny because Kate pretty much said the same thing as you just last night. She was oh, yeah? like, seeing, seeing as everyone I know seems to like it, I should probably start watching it. And I was like, yes, you should. <laughs> yes. Oh, she's not watching it with you? No. Nope. Interesting. Hmm. Fascinating. I just would have assumed, uh, especially since... Um... No, there there is a, a show that Kate is completely addicted to on Netflix right now, but I know that she would kill me if I revealed what that show was. Oh, not, I see. Nonetheless, that, the adoration of that show, I think, conflicts with the possibility of any other show anytime soon. Ha. Huh. Hmm. I'm trying to think. What, is it The Tudors? I'm not going to tell you. James, Damn it. I just said she would kill me. I, we're recording a podcast. It's not yeah, going to yeah, happen. No, I know, but I was kind of hoping because, see, this I just slip up and be like, ha <laughs> No, it's not going to happen. <laughs> Good try, though. All right. Well, I'll have you know, Edie's been watching The Tudors uh, and enjoying it. And I, I, I will say this. It's not The Tudors, although that is on our Netflix list to watch at some point. And we just got through watching the first season of uh, Luther. Uh, what do you think? I I thought it was all right, but also not all right enough to really pay that much attention to. After a while, I really drifted away. Yeah, um, it you know it's kind of funny because I thought it was um, like well acted, but essentially ludicrous for the first couple of uh, episodes, first three or four episodes or so, and um, in some ways it really reminded me of Justified. Uh, weirdly enough, the show over on really? FX. Which yeah. I've, I've never seen that, but I've heard so many good things about it, I really want it. 
Right, and it's the same sort of thing of to me of like everyone's like, oh my god, it's so great, and I'm like, it's okay, and like Justified is uh, stars Timothy Oliphant as a uh, federal sheriff federal called Marshall. Jimmy Justified. Yeah, called called Jed, Jeb Justified, and uh, he he is. Um, it, I'm not spoiling it because it gives a you know it's basically the first ten minutes of the show. He shoots someone under somewhat extreme circumstances, and at least for much of the first season, sort of what's hanging over his head is sort of this continual air of suspicion that he is um, more of a um, more likely to go rogue than anyone who works with him is really comfortable with, and so that is actually remarkably similar to the setup in Luther. Um, you know, super charismatic leads, slightly disappointing and very much kind of almost by rote scripting as the time goes on. Um, and uh, weirdly, what I loved about Luther is I thought everyone, that the cast uniformly is excellent. It's the, Everyone in it is really good. Um, See, I'd say that apart from, I think, Idris Elba. I, I, he can be a bit hammy for me. Oh, interesting. You know, it's funny. As time went on, I found that that he was the guy who came closest to kind of, yeah, who who who, who wasn't able to sort of stretch his legs. Like a lot of the other people in the show, um, you know, his boss, his current, his ex partner, his current partner, not so much, but you know. If you make it through to the end of the, the the last two episodes of the first season of Luther, make the whole thing worth watching. But it's also one of those things where it's like, huh, you can tell they came up with what they wanted last and then tried to build toward it and then didn't do that good a job, really. Like, there was a lot of stuff in the last two episodes of Luther of the first season where I was like, huh, I kind of wish I'd been watching this show all along yeah, exactly. you know, for those first four episodes because all the rest of it really was kind of by root. And Elba is, he is a little hammy. He's a little limited in his acting, but God, he's just, to me, he's charismatic as hell. And oh, he really is. You know what's really funny? Are you, you're obviously watching a Netflix, right? Yes. Um, so he's hosting something called Dramaville, which is a, a stripped programming on BBC America for the second season of Luther, but also for The Hour, which was the show that was on, I think, in August. That I really, really loved. It's essentially like, what if Hitchcock did Mad Men set in British television in the 50s? Oh, that's the Dominic West show. Yeah, which is really good. I really liked it. But he hosts it. He does the introductions for the show. Uh-huh. And he is really charismatic until you see him do that. <laughs> And then he's solely back. That it's, it's you almost like him more, but he's much less charismatic. If that makes sense, like all of the sure. intensity is gone because he's there in a sweater, being like, right. "Hey, it's Idris. This is what happened last week." And you're kind of like, "Really?" <laughs> <laughs> well, I I did have a problem with him because I was following him on Twitter for a while and just had to stop because he was so his. Twitter personality, which I assume was closer to his person, his actual personality, was so different from what what you wanted. Yeah, totally. And what I'm interested, what interests me about him, you know, because he's really he's one of those guys that does a great job of um, looking like he's thinking. 
You know what I mean? Like, he's <laughs> percent of the battle reveals, you know, he's not. No, he's really spending a lot more time talking about his DJing, and it was just all of his all of his tweets about DJing. I was just like, ah. But Luther, I would watch just for the adventures of Sexy Duck alone. In fact, after about the third or fourth episode, I was just like, ah, can't they just like go to Hawaii and solve crimes? You know who I mean by Sexy Duck, right? I really don't because I haven't watched it since it was on BBC America. Uh, oh, okay. Well, it's, <laughs> but uh, like I said, I didn't watch it past like the second episode because I was like... Oh, oh, okay. Oh, I thought you were watching it and just paying less and less. No, no. I, 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 when I say drifted away, I mean like I really drifted away totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's very smart because episode two was... Re- actually, episode two was not as bad. Like, if you made it to episode three, you would have said, God, I wish I'd listened to myself and quit watching it episode two. But episode four is okay. Episode five is actually surprisingly good. And six was a little... I mean, it was way, way over the top, but it was fun. Um, I I might cheat and just go back and watch five and six on Netflix. You probably should. You probably should. I think you would enjoy it more. Uh, so, well, okay. So, Sexy Duck is the serial killer that he fails oh, to yes. in the first one, and she begins obsessing on him. Yeah, and they're yeah. turning up, and so it's Se- very sexy weird. Duck. It's sexy, sexy Duck. Yes. I yeah. thought you were saying Sexy Dog, and I was like, I don't even remember a doctor. <laughs> sexy Duck. No, Sexy Duck. And to be fair, she's not a duck either, but she has this way of no, I see that. Weird thing is, lips. I can actually see see the duck thing. <laughs> okay, I, good. As soon as you're like, a sexy duck, I was like, oh, he means a serial killer movie. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, actress whose name I don't know. Uh, it's, is okay. at, least she's, at least he's including sexy in there. It's true. It's true. I I thought she was great. She's so ludicrous. But She's actually in um the Prisoner remake that AMC did last year. Right. Which uh, is terrible. Did you see that? No, God. Oh God. It, yeah. That's 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 not something I'd be like. Well, it's on Netflix. No, just don't go anywhere near the Prisoner remake. Mm-hmm. But she was probably the best thing about that remake. She was really, really good in the Prisoner. Yeah, yeah, no, she's quite good in this, too, in just kind of a really fun, watchable, like, she's also a little hammy, but in a, in the right way. Like, in Yeah, the she, way of she's like, hammy in the way of, like, you know, she's meant to be crazy, so you can buy the hamminess, I guess? Yes, yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. She's meant, she's not meant to be, you know, she's, she's, yeah, she's basically Hannibal Lecter is a sexy duck, so it totally works, you know? <laughs> I feel like there's a Looney Tunes cartoon right somewhere in there. <laughs> Probably. See, and this is it. I'm like, I can't wait to talk to Graham and tell him about all the horrible movies and TV shows that I've been watching the last two weeks. And I got these great pair of pajama pants that make me feel like a Muppet, uh, by which I, I don't mean that I have a hand up my butt. But I'm just <laughs> oh, no, those would like, be a great pair of pajama pants. <laughs> those would be okay, interesting I'm, to market. I'm going to sleep now. Hang on. <laughs> That was the best sound effect ever. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Welcome exactly. back, listeners. <laughs> I know. Lucky, lucky you. Yeah, seriously, we're back for 10 minutes and we've already not talked about comics, but we have talked about Luther and both of us have mentioned pajamas. <laughs> I think we're doing quite well, actually. Uh, and I had some I had some awesome waffles this morning, so. Where did you have the waffles? Well, I think I told you... Um, there is they're currently only selling them in one place which is rainbow groceries but this uh, sweet foods s-u-i-t-e uh foods 
has these liege waffles that they're packaging and selling and you buy them you pop them in the toaster oven and they are they are they aren't nearly as good as waffle windows but they are they're surprisingly good they are actually better than the liege waffles that i had at the um the pal street stop whatever the hell that waffle wheat waffle or whatever the hell it's called there wait waffle. i think you're just inventing stores now i think based, I, based I, upon I think our own branding it's true well yes yes that and bake what i still think that we should do bake what where you like um you cook stuff no i think i think you bake stuff jeff Oh, isn't that the same thing? Isn't no! Baking? Jesus oh, God. Christ, Jeff. Oh, that's terrible. Somewhere there is, like, a cookery podcast that's going to start saying things like, aren't comics just, you know, novels with pictures? <laughs> <laughs> and and that, that cooking podcast will be Eddie Campbell. Uh, yeah, no, I actually think it would not be. But, so, speaking of comics... Maybe we should talk about comics and get to some listener questions. Did you see all the questions on Savage Critics? I, I saw them. There were a lot. <laughs> so, I, I, yeah, we have we have a lot. And a lot of them are actually surprisingly in-depth. So we may not get, get our answer. Oh, I know. We, we may some just of take them, them are forward. Tough, yeah. uh, There's also a lot of t- – uh, well, actually, not a lot of Twitter. But let's go through the Twitter ones first because they are – A, there's less of them, and B, they're faster. Okay. And between Twitter and Savage Critic – I think it answers everything that we want to talk about, with the exception of no one asks about fear itself. I'm shocked. I am uh, really shocked. So okay. I'll just make up a question later on about fear itself. Uh, <laughs> when I can, I can talk about my Mac fraction come to come to Jesus moment. Yeah, that would be great. But anyway, let's, let's start with Twitter questions. Ah, uh, you tease. Okay, perfect. <laughs> Okay, Stephen Williamson said, before I even ask for questions, he asks us a question. Um, the two of you briefly discussed the classic Star Wars Omnibus Volume 1 a while back, but to the best of my memory, never elaborated upon what you liked about it. Any further thoughts on it? I'm mildly curious about picking it up. Okay. Uh, Here's the question. Did we actually say we liked Volume 1, or did we not say we liked like Volume 3 by the time it got to the yeah. Michelini and Walt Simonson Volume stuff? 3 or Volume 5, whatever the Michelini and uh, Simonson stuff is. Let me see if I can hunt it up on... Because uh, uh, it was because not because Volume 1. No, because Volume 1 is... Uh, volume 1 is good if you read it as a kid and you have nostalgia for it, but in terms of comics, it's really not. And in terms of good Star Wars, it's really not. Wait, which one is volume, volume one, one like the, the volume, volume adaptation? One, volume one's the adaptation, and then stuff immediately following it. So you got Roy Thomas doing the Magnificent Seven in space with the giant green rabbit. Yes. Speaking of which, did you see that <laughs> they? You can make the, that. There's a vote going on for the Hasbro Toy Club as what obscure Star Wars character will we make as? And someone wants next? Jackson. Yes. If you you can Jack- go there. I, and you can I vote remember Jackson. that properly. Yes, you oh are. J A X X O N. Yeah. He's yeah, actually um, listed as a choice. I've always wondered, did he or Bucky O'Hare come first? You know, I I my understanding is is that he came first. Maybe And then Bucky O'Hare was like a Bucky complete rip off? Yeah, kind of. That's he was like a green a, rabbit space pilot. Of yeah. All the things you think to rip off. You mm-hmm. think someone would be like, that giant green rabbit. He's, yeah. he's got potential. Well, to be fair, he does. He's, I mean, he's got legs know. and ears. <laughs> wah, wah. I really should be getting it. Waka waka. Okay, oh. first off, you're right. It is Star Wars Omnibus Volume 3 
that uh, we both liked. Yeah, the, the, um, that's the one to get. Um, yeah, even collected if, issues 50 through 67 and annual 2 of of the Star Wars title. Yeah, volume 1 is really... It's not that it's... Not, it's I was going to say it's not that it's bad. It kind of is bad. I, I would skip volume 1 unless you have a lot of nostalgia and half-baked memories for reading those comics as kids. Because yeah, even, even stuff like the Howard Shaken art is actually kind of terrible. It's, it's, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. The, the inking is horrible on it. Yeah, yeah. I, I actually do not like the adaptation at all, but I do think that as a follow-up, that Magnificent Seven uh, issue, uh, well, arc, which is like, I don't know, maybe th- a three-parter or something like that. Yeah, it's like, like two issues, yeah. Yeah, is, is, is kind of charming and might hold up well and and it, is it kind doesn't of the part Jeff, I've read it, I've read it really <laughs> recently. it doesn't hold up well uh, if you say so spoilers no it, so. it's it's really it's one of those things that you remember as being much more charming than it actually is mm-hmm. and then you read it and you're like no oh, this is actually kind of just shit is it really shit I mean it, no it is it really is it's one of those things that it, you really do think all the ingredients should make it much better than actually is. It is far less than some of its parts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can believe that. Because, I mean, honestly, I do not have... I think I'm, you know... When we talked about one of these, Omnibuy, before, I had bought all the issues right up until the end of the Empire Strikes Back adaptation. And I was pretty hot and cold on most of them. Like, there's a few issues that, like... Mike Golden does, you know, the art on, and I think there's the a couple of Chris Claremont issues, but generally it's kind of that thing. There's a lot of Carmine Infantino. There's a lot you know, of Carmine Infantino. And, and if you want to see where Cable came from, of course, he totally is, you know. Yeah, that's right. There's, the there's, there's the, like the Empire spy or someone whose face falls off. Yeah, cyborg and it's, underneath. He's half yeah. cyborg, exactly, exactly. And he's clearly with the glowing red eye or something, and he's. He's basically the inspiration for Rob Liefeld's Cable, so which is kind of fun. Well, ways. let's be fair. The inspiration for Rob Liefeld's Cable is actually the Terminator. Yeah. Well, see, this is the great thing about Ta- time this, traveling this... <laughs> cyborg with the glowing red eye. It's the Terminator he meets the Star Wars. No, I like, know. What's happening? Military James, James dude. Cameron has ripped off the Star Wars guy. Yeah, that would be great. That I'm glad awesome. ripped off James Cameron. Well, but see, this is this is the great thing about some of this stuff. Is is like it's like Jackson clearly being a giant green rabbit that is basically Bugs Bunny. You know what I mean? Like again, there's parts of that that are clearly terrible and embarrassing, but there is something when you have that weirdo cross pollination of pop culture influences, you kind of end up with things that are interesting and good. You know what I mean? It's almost like uh, the the bizarro John Wayne influence in like early Wolverine or something that you can't quite entirely parse out. You know? It's I, it's one of the things that I like actually about my superhero comics and my comics generally when there's a bunch of different influences that are sort of being mixed and stirred in there. So you're right. On the one hand, he's the Terminator. On the one hand, he's the bounty hunter from Star Wars. On the other hand, he's Christ only knows what else, you know. Cable, not Jackson the Rabbit. But um, <laughs> although I can't... if Jackson the Rabbit's face half fell off and he was a robot underneath the glowing red eye, and then he was like, "And my arm is metal," that would be awesome. And then he joined like uh, the like, you know, like Star Wars the Force. Yeah, Star Wars Force. <laughs> Ooh, why didn't they do that? Hey, there's still um, time. Dark Horse are doing like seven million Star Wars comics a month. Yeah, boy, that's for sure. 
It's kind of, kind of they're they're kind of turning them out at a pace. Although, has to be said, uh, I really really got into um, what's it called Knights of the Old Republic, the Star the Dark Horse series. Oh yeah, you were saying. Yeah, I really right. I really like that. I'm sure I'd like the other stuff if I could be bothered to get into it. Like if I could yeah. just like read the first volume and think I'm willing to commit this time because it's probably ten volumes. But right, right. But I have so to answer the question. We would say skip volume one. We're fans of volume five, although to different volume three, for different reasons. Yeah, oh, I'm sorry, right, volume three. <laughs> You're going to make right it buy, like, the post-Return of the Jedi stuff. It's going to be, like, terrible. They'll be like, what were you thinking? It's, it's, like, it's, it's a fire taste, but I have to admit, that's my second favorite run in Marvel Star Wars. The po- post-Return of the Jedi stuff. Really? When Cynthia Martin takes over and it's Joe Duffy and Cynthia Martin, and they're like, "Here's what happens after the Empire falls apart, and they all become all albino ninjas." I, I really like that stuff. Huh. I hadn't seen it. It sounds amazing. It's 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 really kind of crazy. Um, if you kept reading through the Empire Strike, no, it's after the Empire Strikes Back that um, Luke Skywalker falls in love with a woman who turns out to be an Empire agent. Yeah. Spoilers, everyone. Um, but Seriously, she, dude, she that comes, was kind of a dick move. <laughs> she comes back at the end of the series as essentially sexy Darth Vader with the albino um, ninjas. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's it's really good. Mm-hmm. I can also yeah, completely I, see why it cancelled because it's not good in the way that I can imagine many people liking at the <laughs> right. time. I can imagine everyone being like, this is what? What? This is not what I want for my Star Wars comic. I'm 12. Why are you making me read this? But <laughs> looking back on it, I, I have to admit, I really like it. See, Volume 5 is probably not going to be bad, but Volume 3 is the one he's talking about. Yes. Yeah, Volume 3. Uh, and I thought we did discuss it. I, there's a certain number of Twitter questions where people are like, hey, why didn't you ever answer my blah, blah? And I'm like, didn't we? Wait, we have we possibly thought we did, or we did it when we weren't recording. Yeah, I'm willing <laughs> to give them the possible. benefit of the doubt. Oh, yeah, that would make sense, too. Uh, anyway, so it's 3. We liked it um, because it felt like actual Star Wars Instagram, and I actually liked the way that it had a variety of, again, other influences in it. Yeah, and also the Simonson and Tom Palmer is great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tom Palmer's art is fantastic, and Simonson's uh, Simonson doesn't really look like Simonson in in a lot of cases. He's really, but he's doing these layouts that are just energetic as hell. So it's it's you know as opposed to the sort of slightly moribund um, Carmen Infantino issues, it's got a lot of pep. So yes, volume three, Stephen. Um, Adam Nave asks, how do you think we feel left alone and podcastless for this long? How do you think we feel? That last part is all in caps, which is why I did the, the raised voice. Uh, so Jeff, how, how did you think he felt? Uh, how, how do I think he felt? I think Adam felt fine with it. Okay. <laughs> he then asked, everyone wants jumping on points, but what current books would you give to non-readers to hook them on comics? Do you want to, do, do you have answers for this? Uh, I'm tempted to say something like Daredevil, even though I've completely forgotten to buy it. So I've last read issue. See, right? I was like to issue say, I, I picked up issue five and I read it this morning and I'm like, I'm going to talk about what a great I, book this is and Graham's going to admit that he still hasn't read it. I can't, I can't find issue three and that's, that's just stuck me. I might end up just ending going trade only because I can't, wow. can't find issue three anymore. Oh, what a shame because they're really good books to buy as single issues even though this is the second part of a two-part storyline. Daredevil number five just out this week. Big thumbs up. One, one of my favorite books absolutely. Um, what other good book? Uh, I, I give them all Star Superman or New Frontier. 
Yeah, you know, here's that's here's not current the, book, though, is it? The well, but see, it's I mean, this is kind of the miracle of yeah, it's the miracle of the trade paper. Well, if, if we're talking like monthly books, um, right? Let's assume like to get someone hooked on. You know, what, you know, what I would suggest, and it surprised the hell out of me. Mm. Wolverine in the X Men issue one. Oh. You know, I didn't. We should talk about this. Will lead into our zesty discussion of Marvel, which well, I was uh, also Allison asks us later what we think of the X Men books. So right, yeah, we're so going to be directly there. asked. But I, I, I was genuinely surprised by how much I like that. Um, I, Jeff, what else? What should we suggest? Uh, you know, I would throw uh, action comics uh, at people the way it currently is. I mean, see, here's okay. Here's the thing. Like, having worked in a comic book store, you get people who walk in all the time and are like, "Hey, I'm new to comics. What should I read?" And I mean, the trick, the real question is, is, what do you like? Exactly, exactly. That's what. That's the trick. Is you have to say. The, you know, comics are so spread out, thank goodness, now, that you ask them what they like. And if they're like, oh, well, I, you know, I kind of like uh, Hunter S. Thompson, and you point them to Transmetropolitan, you know, yeah. they're, they're kind of like, I like, um, like, uh, crime noir stuff, and then you point them to, like, Brubaker's Criminal, you know? It's, it's, there's, there's a variety of different things that you can sort of point them to all over the map. It's always hard, though, for me, is when somebody's like, oh, I really like the Spawn, and you're like, ah. And you're like, oh, I mean, Spawn. <laughs> Spawn. Huh, right. Spawn's still yeah, being because, published. Spawn. Yeah, if you, or chances Spawn. are good. <laughs> Actually, the great thing is, is now I can point them toward, uh, Batman. You know, oh, that's true. Yeah. On it. yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff that I'm enjoying. Let's see here. I mean, I'm I think that actually, if people can handle zombie stuff, if you point someone to Walking Dead, they will devour about sixty issues of it before they even really decide. Before they might even think about not liking it, is is my thing. Unless they don't like zombies, in which case they're just not going to. It it's funny because when I initially read it, I was thinking things like you know King City. For some reason, I think King City is, is, is something that might appeal to people who don't, who are open to comics but wouldn't necessarily like superhero comics. Right. You know, if they if they yeah. have an idea of what a comic is, and that's put them off until now, I think something like King City might sell them. Right. Right. Where I'm trying to figure out, like, are they meaning? You know, does that mean like specifically in like the superhero kind of? I mean, it really is. The great thing about comics is there's a ton of great stuff. Yeah, there's so much stuff out there. Yeah, that it it literally is kind of hard to figure it out. I have to say, I really enjoyed out of the DC, the second month of the DC fifty new fifty two. I was shocked by how much I liked Justice League. Flash and Green Lantern, the issue twos of all. I, I thought two in general the issue twos have been better than issue ones. There's definitely the Legion of Superheroes books. Uh, mm. Both second issues are almost unimaginably better than the first issues. Oh, really? Um, yeah, I thought the first issues for both were really, really weak, and the second issues are both took it took me from I'm just going to tell them to cancel the order to oh, I'll give at least the first arc. Oh, Legion Lost in particular I think is a really good second issue that should have been the first you, you right. could easily have done the first issue in favor of the second oh interesting I remember you saying that the first issue of Legion Lost was actually pretty tight like it's packed with a lot of stuff yeah but it's not necessarily good uh, <laughs> and, then, and then you get the second issue and the second issue basically tells you all of the information you need from the first issue again but remembers a story this time <laughs> right 
you know? And, and she right. left with something where, you're, what honestly, I was just like, they should have gone with this for the first issue. They should have jumped the first issue and jumped straight in with this one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Legion of Superior is not exactly the same, but it's a much tighter issue. Um, right. I'd really like Justice League Dark issue too. Oh, I haven't read it. Uh, in part because the art is just fucking stunning. I mean, I thought the art was really good in the first issue. The art in the mm-hmm. second issue is just amazing. Really? Yeah, to the point where I, I am now beginning my countdown for Marvel stealing the artist. Oh, wow. That good. Um, and what's really nice is Peter Milligan gets perverse. And I didn't expect that, I guess. I, I thought that Milligan was past his... You know, I am. Pl- I thought he was in his. I am playing the straight, especially after the first issue, which was relatively straight. But um, the the half of the issue is of issue two is given over to Dead Man possessing people so that he can date Dove, and Dove not wanting to have sex with any of these people because it's not really him, and Dead and Dead Man being like, "Okay, screw you. I'm good to go off and fuck someone else." What? Really? But yeah, which is like, wow, I really didn't think you were going there. Yeah. You know I mean, it's like, wow, this is this is old Peter Milligan that I liked. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like it, it's 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 that sort of perversity without seeming overly salacious, even though the way it's, I just described it sounds overly salacious. Um, yes. That I was really like, huh, this is like the Peter Milligan from the early issues of Shade. Hmm. Right. Right. Which is clearly sort of clearly what I think people wanted the book to be but I, yes, I'm not exactly. sure what anyone ex- actually genuinely expected yeah, so well, yeah Justice League Dark, Dark issue 2 I thought was really good mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and yeah good. Flash issue 2 is great Flash issue 2 Flash is, just, is, is really good yeah it's it's bordering on the amazing like if if some of the story stuff I'm a little bit like yeah okay whatever. yeah I don't really care about the A plot mm-hmm. <laughs> I, mean, I, I yeah. care about the clones but the, the stuff about him thinking faster and the way that's portrayed and what oh, he yeah. does with it yeah. is just great yeah the storytelling is fucking phenomenal in that so it's like for people who are picking up Daredevil because of the amazing work by uh, Marcos Martin and uh, Paulo Rivera. Yeah, you, check you out, might want to pick up Flash. Yeah, seriously. This second issue, I especially adored, like at one point he has a um, he has he has the Flash running and investigating stuff and it's essentially a panelless page and it's perfect you know, because Flash is in all these locations it's all tied together with the color but there's this sense of like oh right, he's it, you looking at the page, it gives you this feeling that he literally is everywhere at once because he's that fast, and that composed to all the hyper panel storytelling of when he starts thinking and intuiting stuff, just absolutely gorgeous. I was really knocked out by how strong it was, uh, which surprised me because I like I like the first issue, but it was very much kind of a well, we'll see where this is going. And interestingly enough, all the story really takes a backseat. In, in the second issue of Flash, which should be kind of a drag, but the storytelling is so good, it I kind of I, I forgave it a lot. No, it's 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 really great because it's pretty much we'll settle with a cliffhanger, and then instead of continuing that story after three pages, we're pretty much going to dump that because we have this other thing we want to get to. Right, and it re- it works. You don't mm-hmm. miss the story. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's really 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 good. I, I was I was very very happily impressed with that and while we're talking yeah. about second issues that we really liked 
Um, let's jump back to what you'd read before we went on break and I hadn't. Casanova issue two is just fucking stunning, especially compared yes. to the first issue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, Wasn't it's it like amazing? a world of difference, and it's mm-hmm. so good. Yeah, yeah, it was great. I really was. I had that amazing, picked it up, was expecting sort of, I picked it up to see what I was going to think of it. And then I read it and I'm like, oh my God, I'm shocked that I really enjoyed this so much. It's a really, really strong, good issue. Um, And so I was tickled when you read it and were like, I really like this. Holy crap. Oh, I, I, I... It's really funny. It was one of those things where so many people had essentially told me, oh, you should read this, especially after the conversation we had about issue one, that I was almost scared to read it because I was just thinking, I, I, I feel there's so much expectation on my reaction that there's no way this can't disappoint me. Right. And it, it, it was great. I really, really, really loved it. And I thought that it addressed a lot of concerns at least I had with the first issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, at least on the emotional through line. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I just thought it was it was great. I thought it was really, really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it actually was, did a, a wonderful job of addressing things and upending expectations and... And upending expectations more than once. The last oh, page, yeah. I thought, was a great swerve. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought so too. I, and it, also, it really, was... really dark. Yes, absolutely. I, I mean, I mean, the first issue was the first issue was really dark in a different way. First issue was just depressing dark. But the second issue, you have this this lightness come through and, and and free will instead of predestination and kindness instead of violence. And then the last page, just like, but it leads to this, which was great. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's just that second issue was, uh, for lack of a better word, just so playful that uh, I really ended up kind of just having a big old dumb grin on my face. So does, does that mean we should talk about, unfortunately? <laughs> <laughs> should we talk about Fear Itself? We pro- well, I don't know. You, you're sort of like fans of, I mean, just the fact that we're okay, like... Okay, here's, here's, so here's my Fear Itself issue seven thing. Right. I think it's terrible. I think Fear Itself was terrible. I think there's so many problems in Fear Itself issue 7, but I still think it's a better issue than Flashpoint issue 5. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, it... it, I I don't know. It's kind of weird. I think that that is because... Expectations were lower? Yeah. (laughs) No, no, I, I totally think that's why. I think the problem is Flashpoint essentially had a story... I yeah, had a through like, like and it just could pull it off. Yeah. fucked it up. Yeah, Whereas exactly. Fear Itself didn't. I mean, Fear Itself was a disaster by the time you got to issue seven. Yeah, I, and I so it, that... because it's almost like it disappointed less, mm-hmm. not because right. it was better, but because everyone expected less of it. Yeah, it pretty much did a face plant at the first issue. So for me, it's like by the time you get to the end, it's remarkable that it's worse than the f- first issue or the second issue or whatever you think is like the storytelling nadir of fear itself like issue seven really outdoes it 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 really manages to land not a single fucking thing i got halfway through writing a review for savage critic that i just didn't attempt to finish uh but but in getting halfway through i wrote that i went through page by page and was like here are the questions that i still have after finishing this book Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. like i'm not joking i had gotten to 10 questions by page 26 Oh my god. 
Oh my god! Yeah, seriously, I did basic storytelling stuff. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, like on basic page two. Like I've got it open now. On page two, there's a guy jumping towards Captain America that you never see land. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You don't know. Who oh yeah, he is either he's jumping. He's clearly jumping towards him though. You never see him again. No, or, there, there's what was Wolverine's yes. weapon? Oh, I know. You Wolverine does not have one, and he's transformed mm-hmm. immediately. Yeah, 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 yeah. But why no, did he die? The, yes, that's a good one. I mean, for that matter, what the fuck is Captain America shooting at, and what the fuck could it be doing? You know no, what see, I mean? I, that, like, that, that actually is kind of addressed if you're paying a lot of attention. He's shooting at Sin's Nazis. They're robo-Nazis. He's still, been... he's still shooting at them, That's but that is what he's shooting at. No, but I know Actually, that's no, I know what he's shooting I know at, but there's no reason why it would have any effect whatsoever after but everything else that we've seen. It's so funny, though, there are so many storytelling mistakes. Like, when Thor is fighting the serpents, you yes. never see the serpents become the giant monster. Never. I know. Yeah. Isn't that horrible? And, that's and the worst like, transition. I mean, honestly, you could just go through and be like, wait, so now he's fighting a giant monster he's talking? Yeah. Exactly. What is that? Like, you don't see a trend. The closest thing you have to a clue is that bizarro word balloon thing. Yeah, you know, no one comes out good on this. Uh, Stuart Eminen, I, maybe, I'm sure he was, like, under tight deadlines, and he just looked oh, at the he, script. He, he went, totally eh. was. Do you not remember his tweets at the time? Uh, I, no, I don't follow I want to say he was doing more than a page a day. Wow. He was definitely talking on Twitter about how he was just getting killed by deadlines. And you can tell there's, like, four anchors or three anchors in the book. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, so the storytelling just falls apart at such a fundamental But the, the script is just... Oh, but the script is terrible. Also, like, did, I did, did you see the Newsarama interview with Braxton and Brevoort? No! Okay, so there's, there's, seven? there's no. two things that um that One of which I blogged about in Newsarama, and the other one I didn't, because it, it's one of those things that I think I can't say in Newsarama without someone trying to kill me. The one I could say was, Fraction said... Essentially, the story's not over. Ending with issue seven is like watching Star Wars and switching it off when Luke is in the trench, switching off his guidance computer before he uh, shoots the torpedoes into the Death Star. Really? That's what he said? That's what he said. And which is like, holy shit, I can't believe you said that. And also, that just shows that you fucked up your series. Yeah. That yeah, yeah, yeah. Genu- genuinely shows that you your pacing it was shit. Yeah. Um, but the other thing he said was how fear itself was all a story about the little guy, and this story is is it's not a story about the Avengers saving us. It's a story about us saving the Avengers. And all I'm going to say is that doesn't happen in issue seven. Yeah. In the yeah, slightest. Yeah. That is that is that is so barely. I, I see where he's going with it because honestly, out of all the things that were blown at, in Fear Itself number seven, the one part that I thought halfway worked, which didn't because he didn't set it up properly, is the idea of you know humanity's ability to come together in the face of disaster. Oh no, you see that 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 was completely blown for me. Uh, I because here's I my question: What's yeah. actually happening there? Is it that people are finding hope and then it's weakening the serpent? Is it that people are finding hope because the Avengers are fighting back? Because if it's not the latter, then why is all the hope happening at exactly the same time? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I totally agree with you. On the other hand, out of... And, like, as an idea, it's a fine idea. 
Sure, but, but it doesn't nowhere else in, in the series. Yeah, yeah, no. Well, I know. Apart from the fact of you start off with those crazy newscasts, which seemed stupid and poorly integrated in the beginning, and then at the end, as you see them turn around, it's like, oh, I can see where you were going with. Like, I can see it in there, and it's kind of yeah. But it's a it's really, ge- it's a really generous. It, I, that's a really generous reading. Sure, but I. I think it's there. I just don't think that he can. He didn't do it. You know what I mean? Like he can say it's there, but it's not there in a oh, it's, it's, convincing yeah, it's, way. I, it's one of those things that you've talked before about first draft comics. Mm-hmm. All all it takes is another pass through fear itself to make it so yeah. much more clear. Yeah, just add in a line somewhere where the serpent is saying something about how everyone's fear is giving him power, which, by the way, will also make the title make sense because at no fucking point in fear itself does the title make sense. Right. Oh, Ever. Yeah. No. It, it's bad. It is terrible. I mean, the 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 cheap shot that I made about fear itself back in the roundtable that you know that it has all sorts of newfangled story techniques, storytelling techniques. Of which, you know, the the giving the interviews on Newsarama appear to be a favorite one. I mean, that's really it. There, This does not work on its own. It doesn't work on its own, even I would assume, with all the rest of the tie-ins. It doesn't work except uh, without the damage control on the internet. It, it, and even it then, completely that's doesn't the definition work without the tie-ins. working. Yeah. If you, it's one of the, the hilarious things where you keep on seeing Tom Reaver saying things like, crossover events should always work if you only read that main book. And Fear Yourself just doesn't at all. Yeah. Fear Yourself completely yeah. falls apart without the science because you've got the, the, all the hammers appear and people pick them up and then they disappear until the end of the book. And even then, what happens then where all the hammers fly up into the sky? Oh, I sky? know. Isn't that horrible? It's like, what, I mean, it's what? just... Like where, Seriously, where, who is? Yeah. Why are they doing that? Who are they? Like who is doing it? Where do they go? Right. And you yeah, don't. Fear, you don't even get someone asking that question if it's meant to be yeah. serious. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. No. 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 It just I know. cuts away. Yeah. It's yeah. It's, fear, it's appalling. Fear itself. Seven uh, was like really was like reading Axe Cop to me, except Axe Cop is better has stronger storytelling. Axe <laughs> Cop is funnier. Also, it, well, it has to be no, the the. Yes. the Epilogues slash previews for other comics at the back. Oh, that was horrible. It that was, was it was horrible, but also the Hulk one is like the most confusing thing in the world because it doesn't yeah. seem to tie in with anything else that's happened. Well, the thing that's also is there's two Hulks yeah. in there and they're completely different. Yes, characters. I was going to say if you read the Defenders yeah. one, you're like, is this the same Hulk who was being like monosyllabic earlier on and all of a sudden is talking full sentences? What yeah. happened? Yeah, exactly. I so was. It, I think it's the the defenders one, where the captain's saying stuff like, "Ever since I broke the hammer, I've released Null into the world," and you're like, "Did that happen in the comic?" Because earlier on, for yourself, I saw Null. Mm-hmm. Like, wait, where did you break the hammer? Yeah, I, mean, I, I still don't like, know that. Is it in the Dracula yeah. miniseries? I don't know. I don't know. Was it a miniseries or was there, it one shot? No, there was, it was three issues. Oh my god! Yeah, no, I just I. It was. Can't... It's horrible, isn't it? Uh, it was it it was just so bad, and those previews were like having to pay four ninety nine for a comic of which the bulk of the material there was so much material that was because previews there's not like you read three pages of that and you're like oh I had a full satisfying experience you know what I mean oh, yeah, no, it's, not at all it's kind of hilarious so I mean the the, the I was talking to um, oh gosh 
Why am I going to fuck this up? Basically, I, I you know, was, was talking <laughs> on Twitter. someone. No, because I know the first half of his name, and I always screw up the last part. Because it's Cormac... He's, you know... Uh, I always say Cormac McCarthy. Am I completely making sense? Yeah, exactly. Because he goes on by this, the signing name of... Uh, Cormacaroni, but it's Cormac O'Connor who's in Cormac Tokyo. O'Connor, yeah, okay. yeah, and it's a great guy. And yeah, we were we were sort of both sort of bashing Fear Itself because I think we were worried that we weren't going to get a chance to do that here. Because um, he was like, just dude, just you could do... Yeah. He was like, dude, you could do two hours on Fear Itself 7 all all by itself. And I unfortunately, I'm inclined to agree with him. But the the, the previews in the back to me were like comics have finally been able to replicate the feel of buying a new computer and having it be preloaded with crapware. You know what I mean? Like, it really was like, oh, I bought a comic, and it's all jammed full of pages that are just advertisements for something else. I mean, these are honestly, honest-to-God ads. They're story ads, but it's like if they made you pay an extra dollar to read one of those fucking Subway Green Lantern comics, you know? At least that was a complete story, and, you know, there were sandwiches in it, but <laughs> I just... Um, it, it was it was terrible, wasn't it? Yeah. That being said, the news that came out the other week from Rich with some follow-up from Heidi and pretty much everybody about the Marvel layoffs and how bad things are at the Marvel offices finally so much made sense to me. That was like the one connecting piece of, oh, aha, I get it, I get it. You know what I mean? Like, as, finally, as in suddenly everything, all the shitty comics, all the yeah. mistakes, all the these guys must be horribly overworked. But I mean, these guys must be horribly overworked, and I'm not yeah. saying that because all these comics are terrible. But like, I'm finishing work these days at like six or seven o'clock. On the East Coast, three hours later, you will see Tom Brevard and Steve Wacker talk about how they're still at the office finishing stuff up regularly. Yeah. Yeah. And unless they're starting work at lunchtime, which I don't mm-hmm. think they are, mm-hmm. like these guys are working insane hours. They are, but this, this is the other part you left off. It makes sense why Marvel's trying to shove this shit down our throats. To me, is well, the other thing not, is, I mean, if you notice that David Gabriel in the last two big Marvel press releases has made a point of saying that the books have been have uh, ordered more than hundred thousand, yeah, like it's it's quite clearly uh, we don't have anything PR wise to beat Marvel right now, but we're just going to throw everything out there. Yeah, well, I think it's not just PR. It's like you guys have to buy these books. No, seriously, you have to buy these books. And I couldn't get it at first. I was like, why are they being arrogant dicks? But it's like it's like the fucking slaves like chained to you know the the ore. You like, have to buy these books. You serious? Please, so I can fucking go home, so that I cannot work here on Christmas. But, but please, fucking buy these. The books. problem with that, or one of the many problems with that, is Marvel's got nothing right now. Do you know what I mean? Like Marvel's leading up to another crossover based around Phoenix. Like, there is, none of that, by the same people who have written all the other crossovers. Right. Done by the same people who have There's, yeah. it's stunning how little new exists at Marvel right now. 
okay, but here's okay, here's my thing, and this is where A we're going to disagree and B where I'm probably just going to, you know, throw another landmine into into the podcast is I I was at the store yesterday. The number of books that I picked up were actually there were more Marvels than DCs. I had like maybe three titles that were Marvel and it ended up being three that were DC just because I went back to the racks and, and picked up a few. But there were at least two other books, both of them Jason Aaron, Wolverine and the X-Men and Incredible Hulk number one that I wasn't going to buy. I mean, I wanted to read them. I am not going to buy them because there's something once the whole like Marvel sweatshop thing broke, I'm like, oh, okay. A, it makes sense. B, I can't support this. You know what I mean? Like, I can't... Like, it's not even a case of, like, oh, I should buy these books and, you know... All of that money is just going into the hands of Perlman and uh, Perlmutter and his... And this, the board. All the people, like, are just going to be worked to death. Like, to me, there's actually a lot of innovation going on in Marvel in between all the sloppy slapdash stuff because there are guys like Jason Aaron who are getting shots at books that seem really interesting to me. Like, they're churning out so much product that they almost have to turn out interesting product now. But the problem is, I don't... I really, honest to godly, don't want to support it. I don't want to support this it's coming thing. I'm, I'm so well, happy... Wait, wait, so here's a question. Why did you buy it? Why did I buy what? Wolverine X-Men. Or didn't you? I didn't. Okay. I didn't. Sorry, yeah, for some reason I saying. thought you bought it just because what we said. No, 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 no. I was being completely... Uh, building to a point that I'm sure I abandoned by because I forgot by the time I got there. But no, I didn't buy them. I didn't... I, I'm buying the Marvel books that I currently am buying. That's like Daredevil, Journey into Mystery, Punisher Max, I guess the Wolverine title. And I, I was going to buy the new Defenders, and after reading that preview, I'm jumping off the new Defenders... I, and I'm kind of like, that's it. I'm not, I just, I, I feel like there's really, I know you're saying there's no big thing, but I think there's actually some quality in Marvel, more so than there was like maybe a year or two ago, and yet there's no way that I'm going, I just feel completely uncomfortable and creepy supporting it. Okay, okay so here's my question. Why are you buying the other books then? Uh, because I have been buying them. Like, I suppose I should stop, but part of me is kind of this weird, arbitrary, like, well, I'm currently supporting these. <laughs> no, I know it's not my, weird. My, it's my principles arbitrary. go to whether or not I have to start principles from this point on, or whether I'm right. continuing things. Have I, can I grandfather in this old unethical behavior that I have, which I think seems fair to me, and I want to support stuff like Daredevil, you know, but... Um, yeah, I mean, maybe it helps that a few of the titles that I have are two ninety nine titles. I was going to say, like, when you look at something like Incredible Hulk, which I didn't buy either because of the price point. Like, I was curious. I was like, well, I wonder how Jason Aaron handles two high profile launches. And I was like, but I don't really want to read Incredible Hulk, and I definitely don't want to pay three ninety nine for it. Right, right. But I mean, and that's the other thing is, is Marvel's got these high price points, and again, I'm like. It's just, it's bad. It's just, it doesn't matter that I've gotten to the point where the crackhead is actually willing to trade me some, like, awesome tapes that he stole out of somebody's apartment, you know, in exchange for the money to buy his crack. It's still going to buy crack. I mean, I kind of wish that I could figure out a way to, to, you know, basically have people boycott Marvel until their workers are treated better, you know? Like, obviously, that seems ridiculous because the employees themselves aren't doing it. Everyone else is taking the money and running. But when you see the shit that's happening, 
those are people that are being treated really fucking miserably and not because the company isn't profitable it's because it's that, not that's the thing profitable enough isn't it yeah it, like it really yeah. is a thing where you're like wow this this is an incredibly successful company mm-hmm. but it's being judged to be not successful enough and so everyone's getting fucked there yeah everyone's getting fucked there and that's bullshit i mean that really is it's this big thing of like i'm running around spending a lot of time trying to figure out where the hell my ethics are and what I'm really committed to actually doing in terms of walking any sort of walk about talk that I have about, you know, fucking corporate greed. But see, here's and the here problem. we've got this company. Yes. Here's the problem I have with this, this sort of thing. At what point are you hurting the creators? It doesn't what- matter. There's no way to not hurt the creators because you can't support the creators in this abusive relationship because it's not like everyone's going to be like, oh, hey, good news. Our profits are up so much that we're not going to like start charging a B rate for letterers and inkers and covers. Sure, but in the same, it's not like we're the, going to get two bathrooms. But the alternative is our profits are down so much that we're now going to start charging a C rate or your books canceled. You have no job. Yeah, Do you know what I mean? Like, that, there, right. there may be no rewarding, but there are levels of punishing. No, I, I, I'm sorry, Graham, because that to me is just totally buying into this abusive relationship of, uh, you know, of like, oh, okay, like I've got to do this in order. To, those people have to stand up for themselves. Well, I, like, I'm, that production I'm, I'm company. Not, I'm not arguing that anyone has to do this in order to support. I'm saying, I don't think. I think there is some level of. I don't know, complexity beyond boycott, don't boycott, or support or don't support. Yeah, I, I agree. I, on the one hand, I totally agree with you, but it also seems to me like, is, like I'm not entirely sure that it's at that point. Like I, like I'm like, yeah, sure that you know, especially if you want to be able to continue, you know, buying Marvel comics, you know, it's really important. <laughs> the funny thing is, I could that- probably drop all my Marvel comics and I wouldn't be that upset. I'd be much more conflicted if it was DC. <laughs> Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> At least DC is like fucking people in like a creative micromanaging kind of way. It's fucking people openly and you know right. in a supportive manner with royalties. Yeah, and it's, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, exactly. People are getting ro- people are getting paid. It sounds like people at DC are actually la- allowed to go home at night. It sounds like they have more than one bathroom. I think those are all like pretty important. It, it has to be said, like things like the one bathroom is just staggering when you think about it. Yeah, like it, it is. is. is actually jaw-dropping. Mm-hmm. It actually is. I mean, it, it is literally, it is one of those things where it's like, that is really the case? I mean, it is. I don't want to support that. And it's like, the people who are there, it's like, admittedly, they make their own choices to work there or not, but I would tell them, like, stop. You know? Like, seriously. Fucking unionize. Right there. Right now. Because unlike, unlike, you know, um, back in the old days of labor where people could stockpile two-by-fours or nails or, you know, fucking shirts, you know, this stuff has to continue to ship and ship more, quote-unquote, on time. Like, if you people stop working, they don't make, it's not like they make some profit. Like, their profits drop pretty immediately. 
you know. But until those people do something, as long as everyone continues to be complicit about it, and I mean those people that are working there. Oh, no, like, no, but, like, but everyone's – not everyone's complicit about it. It's, I think it goes just beyond the people who are working there. The people who are buying there are the people who aspire to work there. Yeah. You, you could get rid of everyone working at Marvel right now. Right. And you would probably get – and the same number of people again, if not twice that, who will happily work there for shittier conditions. Sure, I, I like totally the, the, agree. But the complicity goes way beyond the people who are working there. Yeah, no, I know, and that's that is the problem and that that's we're facing that's why our economy overall. Yeah, that's but, kind of why they're going to win. <laughs> well, but see, <laughs> I don't think so. Uh, see, because this is my thing. I would think that that would be the case if it wasn't for the fact that when you have companies. It's one thing if you've got a company where everyone is a replaceable cog and there is a training manual that comes in and you sit the person down and they open the manual and they can be doing that job three hours later. You know? I mean, you know what I'm talking no, about I, 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 because I, of your previous we, job. Yeah, we, we both had jobs like that. Exactly. But I'm also aware that when when companies cut corners, they begin relying more and more and more on key personnel. Yeah. You know? And if you take those key personnel out of the situation, it's not it's not something where you have someone who can do that job by noon or yeah, even but next time, week. Here's where I'm more cynical than you. I think that Marvel could put out much shittier comics without seriously affecting the bottom line. I think they've been I think they're at a point where they've been putting out shittier comics and they can barely break a hundred thousand. I think if they put out much, much shittier comics, I don't know if it would necessarily affect their sales. I do think though that even a gap of one month in their profits is enough to make where like they just can't ship their books is enough to make the Disney people turn to Perlmutter and go, hey, what's going on here? Also, I think that if all the, you know, if all the Marvel people are suddenly saying like, hey, guess what? We are not working and we want to unionize. Like Disney, A, would go. Oh, I, I would I would love it if that happens. And I agree. I think yeah. Disney would step in. Yes. But and this is my thing is it's like I see why there's every reason in the world to be afraid. I totally get it. Fear itself itself. But I don't but seriously, it's never it doesn't get better from this point on with the stage of saying like, oh, it's okay to just keep doing this the same. Because, you know, Marvel has continued financially, in theory, to improve from two thousand one to two thousand eleven. If things are worse now for them and it's a successful company, that means that, you know, the gears are stuck in, you know, have developed a taste for human flesh. It's not going to stop. You know? You just can't. You can't wish it away that way because because they win. Everything they get, everyone that they, the people at the top, is like, oh okay, this is how to do it. You know, this is how it's done. So and I totally I understand. There's in in a freelancer based community in a crazy job market in a place like New York where it's absurdly expensive and it's hard to have any cash whatsoever it's jobs mean a lot but um, but seriously otherwise they just it doesn't matter then you just get people who are there until they're used up and become you know desiccated and then they're just thrown away and in theory at some point I'm sorry and that's themselves. different from the comic industry historically how well yeah exactly uh, I, I guess the I, problem I, I, is, I, is that instead of like 20 or 30 or 40 years... You're it's like, in like 10. 
Yeah, and and I believe me, I would like to see the larger comic industry change too. But the difference, the way that the comic industry always used to be able to be kind of successful at fucking people is you fucked the freelancers and you treated your editorial really well. I think treating editorial as shittily as you're doing there at Marvel is going to pay some really bad dividends to them, uh, potentially in the long run. And if those people actually did something about it, it would really change. That being said, yeah, I'm kind of appalled that people are like, oh, hey, good for you for employing the editor that just got sacked. Like, you know, I think if the seven Marvel architects were like, guess what? We're not turning out any books until you improve the working conditions at Marvel. Like, that would actually have an effect. Like, yeah. if they came forward, but they're not going no, to... No, I was going to say, yeah, yes, it would, but they're not going to do it. Yeah, no, but I know, but I'm saying, but it would make a difference. And I'm appalled at the fact that they're not doing it. Like, I, and I feel kind of like, I, it's weird that everyone's like, oh, no, 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 you don't understand. They would never do it. So it's okay to feel okay about the fact that they're not doing it, you know? And I don't feel that way. I feel kind of, I feel kind of creepy and screwed up about picking up books that I'm supporting by people who could actually do this and aren't going to because eh, it'd be an uncomfortable position to be in, you know? So, obviously, give me two weeks of vacation and I, I spend way too much time. Yeah, I'm like, revolution, revolution! The, the beret fits perfectly. I, I have so, to say, um, how is the Occupy Oakland stuff going on over there? Because I've, well, I've, yeah, exactly. I've been reading up on that, and that's terrifying the shit out of me. Was I know, I know. It's terrifying the crap out of me, too. And this is the thing. Like, two weeks, you're like, okay, Jeff, Mr. Revolutionary, you spent a lot of time down at Occupy Wall Streets uh, in San Francisco, right? And it's like, nah, actually, I bought these amazing Muppet pants, and I watched Hobo with a Shotgun on Netflix. You know what I mean? Like, But I'm trying to work up my revolution, revolutionary zeal just because I think that supporting human decency is kind of a thing worth supporting and supporting in a way that you actually do something not just kind of bitch about it on a podcast so clearly I need to work on that I mean that seriously Occupy Oakland is terrifying but I think for the most part what worries me is that the people in Oakland have been fucked for so long I think they're much quicker to to start fighting back and I think that all of the Occupy movement's the best thing they have going for them is as long as you continue to be nonviolent, um, you can't help but do more but get gain more people who support you. Especially if the police are going to be like fucking you up. No, that's what I, that's what I mean. The, the, the police yeah. action is just yeah. I I mean stunning, yeah. and not stunning yeah. in a good way. Stunning in a holy shit did that really happen way. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Stunning in a holy shit, I couldn't believe that you could have people who were worse than the NYPD when it comes to these sorts of relations. But yeah, the fact that the Oakland police were throwing flashbangs and shooting shotguns filled with beanbags at people, and then actually tried to deny that... Yeah, that was the amazing part. Yeah, that's the part that's really amazing, is, is they actually went to the lanes of saying, no, that didn't happen. No, 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 you were misunderstood. And then when they showed the news footage, they went, oh yeah, okay, it happened. But I mean, it was just like... Yeah, but then also they were like, it wasn't really us, it was outside people. Yeah, what? Like, what? Like, ugh. Yeah, I, yeah. I, did you see the thing I, I wrote for Techland about um, Google's transparency report last week? Or this week? No. Before? So no, no, Google no, no, does no. this thing every six months where um, right. they basically announced this is how many people have asked us to take down information mm-hmm. from the internet. 
Oh, I saw your link on yeah. this. Yes. Uh, and this this time, for the first time ever, they're like, here's a government section. Mm-hmm. Um, and Google has a 70% rise in the last six months of government and law enforcement trying to get videos taken down from YouTube. Wow. And it's almost all law enforcement asking stuff to be taken down uh, mm-hmm. because they, they say it's defamatory. In other words, you've got video of us doing stuff and we don't want it up there. In Google's defense, they didn't take any of it down because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. they're like, you know, you can't legally make us do this. There's nothing illegal about this footage just because you don't like it tough. Um, but 70% rise. It's just like, holy fucking shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, it's, um, it's, 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 going to be really interesting and potentially even more scary uh i think in terms of what what ends up happening over the next couple of months i definitely feel that it's going to get worse before it gets better oh, yeah, i really I, want it to get better I, yeah but i definitely think it's going to get worse first i, I agree yeah with you. 